You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. were zealous for God but they were never born again they never put their faith in the Messiah and the only means to be made righteous and the only way to make it to heaven is faith in Jesus the Christ he's the Messiah he's the anointed one that is a basic fundamental truth that's the gospel and it's the main message of the book of Galatians Don't make the mistake of thinking good deeds can acquire a ticket to heaven. The fact is, Jesus alone can take on your sins. He alone can stand in place of the harsh judgment you deserve. Today, Pastor Danny reminds you that Jesus and your relationship with Him is all that matters. Doing good deeds for the sake of being good will ultimately lead to nothing. Only by accepting Jesus into your heart are you saved, and it's then that your love for Him and your desire to please Him will inspire you to do good works. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Galatians chapter 1 as he begins his message, maintaining the purity of the gospel message. reading through the big part of the New Testament, and we're in Galatians uh, starting this week. Today's assignment for our daily reading would be Galatians chapter 3. And so what we've been doing is pulling out a section each week and teaching on that section from our weekly reading. We go to Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, and you go down to verse 6. Paul the apostle writing this, he's the human agent, but this is God-inspired words. So this is God's word. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Gospel means good news. And then he says, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, exclamation point. This is serious, as we've already told you. So now we say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. False teachers had come into the churches of Galatia where Paul had planted these churches And what they were doing, in essence, is taking the church backwards instead of forward. They were taking the church back to believing that the law of Moses was the way to go. The law of Moses had its place, had its purpose. But the Bible shows us the law had its purpose in leading us to Christ. The law was to show us that we can't keep the law. Ten Commandments and all the regulations that went 
with the law. And so these false teachers were coming in and saying, well, believe in Jesus, yes, but you also still have to be circumcised, for example. Circumcise your children according to the law of Moses. Kosher diet. Religious observances of all kinds. Uh, When you get to chapter 4, Paul will mention some of the things they're doing. You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. But it wasn't just a religious thing. It was a thing to do believing that they're going to be righteous because they're doing these things. Paul, of course, takes issue with it. Now, let me take you through some just select verses so you'll understand the main message of the book. Chapter 2, for example, verse 21. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. You didn't do anything to deserve it. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Chapter 3, verse 6. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness based on his faith, his belief. Same chapter, chapter 3, you look at verse 11. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because, and now he quotes an Old Testament passage, the righteous will live by faith. Chapter 5, verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. And let me point out one more. Chapter 6, verse 15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. John chapter 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so here's the main message of the book. It's clear all throughout the book. Main message of the book of Galatians is the purity of the gospel message. Now, I'm talking to a lot of people who already know this fundamental truth. You know what the gospel is, but hang with me. Please don't nod off. I want to drive it home even for those of us who know it. Another book God used Paul the Apostle to pen, and he inspired it, the book of Romans. Go with me to Romans chapter 3. You can't get it any clearer than Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans 3, 21, but now a righteousness from God apart from law. Stop there. I underline that. If you just stopped and thought about that, has nothing to do with law, has nothing to do with a command that says, okay, you do this or you don't do this. Apart from law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, it's actually revealed and exemplified in the law and in the Old Testament. This righteousness from God comes through faith, faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Christ did what we could not do. He lived in obedience to the law. He fulfilled the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled all the things connected with the, uh, the law of Moses. And then, having fulfilled the law, he died on a cross. Why did he have to die on a cross? because he paid the price for our sin. He took our place. Basic, fundamental 
gospel truth that, again, a lot of us looking at me, listening to me, (laughs) you know this, but I want to drive it home. Romans chapter 4 gives Abraham again as the example. He believed God in regard to the coming seed that would come through the lineage of Abraham, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, and because he believed the gospel, the good news of a coming Savior, God credited righteousness to Abraham. Let me go to one more. Romans chapter 10, again, very clear. Verse 1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Saved. Saved from what? Hell. Saved from damnation. Saved from a Christ, saved from a Christless eternity. Well, there's only one way to be saved. But he says, I can testify, verse 2, about them that they are zealous for God. So zeal for God is not enough. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Believes. Look, only one way to be saved. Only one way to go to heaven. And it's not based on what you do. It's based on what you believe. It's based on faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Basic, fundamental truth. That's the gospel. There are people in hell right now that are shocked to be there. The question I've asked people hundreds of times over the years, if you were to die and you were to stand before God and God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Number one answer across the board goes something like this. I'm a pretty good person. I'm telling you, I've asked hundreds of people over the years. I'm not as bad as them. I've never committed murder, never killed anybody. And you're comparing yourself with other people. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, not the glory of other people. People are in hell right now. They went to church all their lives. People are in hell right now that were zealous for God. But they were never born again. They never put their faith in the Messiah. And the only means to be made righteous and the only way to make it to heaven is faith in Jesus the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. That is a basic, fundamental truth. That's the gospel. And it's the main message of the book of Galatians. But I know. I know. I saw it every service. Some people are like, I know that. I know that. I've, been, I've known that for years. The apostles knew that. Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, all these guys. They knew it. They preached it. Salvation's in Jesus. Repent and believe the good news. That's what gospel means. Believe the good news. Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. He, he, he was buried. He was raised again that you might have life, new life, abundant life, eternal life. They knew that. That's what they preached. They say, where are you going with this? Well, if you've done your reading, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Whoa, Peter? (laughs) The rock? According to the Catholic Church, the first pope? Catholic doctrine teaches papal infallibility. 
I bet the Catholic Church doesn't like Galatians chapter 2 because Peter blew it. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Stop there for a minute. James is, if you will, the senior pastor, Jewish senior pastor of the Jewish church in Jerusalem. If you study Scripture carefully, you you get the idea that James had a hard time letting go of some of the Old Testament things connected with the law. Matter of fact, they had whole heated debates in the Bible, New Testament, Acts chapter 15. The church, leaders of the church came together, and the question was, do you have to be circumcised to be saved? Believe in Jesus, yes, but what about the law of Moses? What about kosher diet? What about? And they had all these questions. And there were these groups of Jews who believed in Jesus, but they had a hard time letting go of some of that Old Testament stuff. James was one of them. James was the Lord's half-brother, grew up with Jesus. When certain men came from James... He used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the the circumcision group. The circumcision group were those Jews, and then there were some Gentiles that were added to them, but it's basically a Jewish group, and they were saying, no, you really want to be close to God. You believe in Jesus, yes, but you need to adhere to, and they had their list, and circumcision was right there at the top. And they believed they were more holy, more righteous. The other Jews joined him, Peter, in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas were led astray. Barnabas is a great leader in the church. He's a tremendous Bible teacher. He's a missionary along with the Apostle Paul. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, wow, he did it publicly. Why? Because Peter's doing what he's doing publicly. You're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? (laughs) I wish we had a video of this because I'd like to know what Peter's face looked like. We aren't given all the details of what's happened here, but Peter's being confronted strongly. Paul goes on, verse 15, we who are Jews by birth... No, and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. You have the main message of the book, the purity of the gospel message, but then you have to consider Peter's failure. It was a big failure. It was serious. So much so that Paul confronted him publicly. What was his failure? He misrepresented the gospel. He, in essence, was agreeing with the false teachers that there were some things in the law of Moses that you got to still adhere to, and you can have faith in Jesus, but then you got to add this to it. He adulterated the purity of the message of the gospel. And by doing so, man... Once you do that, all kind of other things shoot off of it. You know what the first one is? Now your basis of fellowship is not the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now the basis of your fellowship is whatever adherence you believe in that makes your group more holy than somebody else's group. For ours in the back, my Baptist background, we didn't dance. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Baptists don't dance. 
And I know we have some new people with us in our church the last few weeks, and you say, what's the position of Calvary Chapel Fellowship? Well, it's the same it's always been since I've been a Calvary Chapel pastor. In our church, uh, our belief in dancing is some can and some can't. And we found out that's true. Absolutely. We didn't believe in going to movies. You went to a movie? <gasps> you ever touch an alcoholic beverage? And there were all these things, you know, that we said, well, we're more righteous. And, and, and our haircuts, boy, they proud of me today. I'm telling you, the Baptist, my back, they're like, man, you, your hair as a man could not touch your ear because my, my uncle took me aside when I first committed my life to Jesus Christ and he took me to that Corinthians verse that says that a woman's hair is given to her as a covering, you know, and a man, God, Danny, what did God give the woman hair to cover? I started thinking about it, and I was pretty smart. I said, her ears. And my uncle said, you're right. That's it. And so the guys in the Baptist church that I came from, man, you had to have your hair above your ears or else you, you were in sin. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy some of the things we believe. This is Peter. This is Peter. He knew the truth. Did you hear what I said? Listen to me. Hey, look. He knew the truth. It's not that Peter goes, he didn't understand the gospel. It's not that he didn't, he didn't get it, you know. He understood the truth of the gospel. He knew what the gospel was. He knew he wasn't righteous except for what Jesus did. So that begs the question then. If he failed and he failed so miserably, why did he do it if he knew the truth? That's an excellent question. You know why he did it? That's why he did it. Peer pressure. Come on now, say it with me. Here's what it is. You ready? Let's say the definition. Social pressure to take a certain action, adopt certain values, or otherwise conform in order to be accepted. Let me clue you in on something. Peer pressure doesn't affect just the middle schooler. You can give in to peer pressure no matter what age you are, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, you can give in to peer pressure. Peter did. Before certain men came from James, the Jerusalem church, he was living in line with the gospel. He was rightly representing the gospel when these guys showed up. And they're the circumcision group. <laughs> they're, you know, the, we don't go to movies. We don't drink alcohol or whatever it is. I hope you understand my point there. Peer pressure. You know the sister to peer pressure? Sure you do. Fear. What is fear? Here we go. Ready? Say it. An unpleasant emotion caused by exposure to danger, expectation of pain. I don't know who it was that said it. I would like to meet them, but I'm sure they're dead by now. I would like us all to corner them and confront them just like Paul confronted Peter. You know who it is I want to confront that's probably already dead? It's the first person that said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'm like, you liar. You are a liar. And my parents believed it. And they said when I was a little kid, when they say those things to you in school, just say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. You can hurt somebody with your tongue. You can influence somebody with your tongue. Tongue is a powerful instrument. James says, man, you put these rudders on ships and you can make them go. You put these 
things on horses, bits and horses. You can direct them. And he said, the tongue, woo, powerful. Fear. Why do I bring up the tongue? Because the pain, the fear, isn't always because you're, you're fearing something physical going to happen to you. You're not going to physically get beat up like the Apostle Paul did. No. Sometimes it's just the attitude that you're going to get. Sometimes it's the look. And let me tell you, no matter how young or how old you are, fear pressure is an issue. Fear is an issue. You know what God made a practice in the Old Testament? I wrote it down. I'm not going to turn to it, but you can write it down if you want. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Before Israel would go out to battle, their army, their army would gather together, and God would have the priest go and stand before the army and give a little message. And the message went like this. Okay, you're going into battle for the Lord today. Be brave, be courageous. And if there's anything in your life that's now more important than you giving your life in the battle for the Lord, you need to think about that. Now, I'm summarizing, but you go read it. This is what it says. And the priest would say, you got a house, you haven't re- yet dedicated it. Basically, you, you know, you, you got the mortgage started, you know, you, you bought the house, but you haven't really got it furnished or anything. And, and if you're thinking more about the house, maybe you better reconsider. You've been pledged to be married. And you're thinking, oh, man, I don't know, maybe I won't get married now. I might die in battle. If you're thinking more about that, then maybe you ought to reconsider. You know what the last thing the priest would say? Last thing the priest would say, if any man is afraid, and he would say, if you're afraid, then go home, because your fear will affect those who are fighting side by side with you. And if you retreat, you'll lead others into retreat. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, and he says, I want you to know the things that have happened to me, all the terrible things that happened to me for the sake of the gospel. They've served to advance the gospel, and they've also been used to in encourage, encourage the church. Another verse you might want to write down, Proverbs 29, 25, here's what it says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. It'll latch hold of you and keep you from going forward with the Lord. You are going forward with the Lord, it'll latch hold of you and keep you from continuing on. And it's very real. We all have to deal with it. We all have to deal with peer pressure. It ain't just the middle schooler. It's all of us, and we all have to deal with fear. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to be accepted. But sometimes when you stand for truth, you're not going to be liked. You're not going to be accepted. So we go back. Let's think about this one. Peter failed. Peter. Peter. He failed miserably. If you really love somebody and you know they're in hypocrisy of any kind, you know they're failing in any way, if you really love them, you, you won't be silent. You won't just say, well, I'll just pray for them. No. You go to them. And that's what Paul did. And because Peter's hypocrisy was public and affecting the church, Paul's rebuke and confrontation was public. Let me tell you something. That took some courage. And when Paul did that, you know who he was like? He was just like Jesus. You know what they said about Jesus? (laughs) They said, you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. They said that in the context of trying to trick him and trap him, which never worked. What they said about him was true. You aren't swayed by men. I know what it is. 
to be swayed by men. I know what it is as a Christian. I know what it is as a pastor. Give in. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he continued to walk us through the books of the New Testament. From the life of Jesus and his ministry to how the gospel spread in the early days of the church, the New Testament books offer much insight into how we're supposed to live our lives now. They're not just an interesting story or a history lesson. These things actually happened. Is this New Testament Highlights series speaking to you in a personal way? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email and tell us what your experience has been as you've listened to these teachings. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Here at The Living Word, we value digging into Scripture in order to learn and to grow in our personal pursuit of God. So we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue teaching the Word and reaching the world. We look forward to the next edition here on The Living Word.